Welcome to Women Winning Divorce. I am your host, Heather Quick. I am an attorney, entrepreneur, author, and founder of Florida Women's Law Group, the only divorce firm for women by women. I love thinking big, thinking outside the box, creating creative solutions for women and empowering women to win in all aspects of their life. Our approach at Florida Women's Law Group is to provide women with a strategy to not only achieve their objectives, but win at life. I believe that what may show up as adversity is simply an opportunity to change and improve your life. In each episode, I sit down with innovative professionals and leaders who are focused on how you can be your best self before, during, and after divorce. In these conversations, we are looking at how women can win at life. I have the unique opportunity to meet women when they are at a transition period of life. But that is only the beginning to becoming your best self and winning at life on your terms. With our guests, we enjoy the opportunity to explore ways all women can win and enhance their life, no matter where they are in their journey. Because divorce is just a point in life, not the end and not what defines you, rather a catalyst for your growth. Welcome to today's episode of Women Winning Divorce. I'm Heather Quick, owner and attorney at Florida Women's Law Group. Today, I am joined by Sabrina Winters, and she is an estate planning and probate attorney in Charlotte, North Carolina. Sabrina was inspired to transition into estate planning when her family endured losing a loved one with no estate plan and little written direction. Welcome to the show, Sabrina. Thank you so much, Heather. Excited to be on with you. Oh, well, we are. I am so excited to have you, and I know we're going to have a great show today. Um, and I'd love for you to share a little bit with uh, me and our listeners just about how you got to where you are now. So that goes back to about 20 years ago. Um, you know, I graduated law school as older than many. And as I was graduating law school, my uncle, which was my father's brother, was pretty sick. And then he ultimately had dementia. And he was always a happy-go-lucky guy. Nothing was going to happen to me. And if it did, all my problems would just be your problem. So what's the problem? And he was always a just a good-spirited person and never thought that, you know, we needed anything. Well, I knew enough graduating law school that we needed to have something in writing. And my parents had always had wills and things of estate planning nature. Well, it, it was too late. And when we were at the hospital, we were unhelped. Nobody guided us as a family. Nobody helped us understand what was going on. And we, nobody agreed on his care. My father wanted to stop any sort of resuscitation because he knew he was suffering. And the other side of the family said, well, no, we need to save him. Well, when there's nothing in writing, they're forced to save his life until the right person arrives. And his wife was flying in from Rome, Italy, and she did not make it back to New York to be able to make the decision. But he finally passed away. And I say finally, because with DNRs, it's really a rough, it's a rough event on on your body. And my father watched him pass away after several attempts. And for his whole life, my father suffered with thinking, did I do the right thing? Was that what he would have wanted? And it was that moment that I thought there is no family that should be going through what my family went through. It was a horrible time, of course, for my uncle. It was a horrible time for us to watch him and not be able to help. So that entire event is what made me create the practice that I have now, um, you know, helping 
my community with estate planning and settling estates because it was horrible for me and it shouldn't be horrible for anybody else. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for sharing because I do find that when we have that personal experience with that situation, it just gives you so much insight for your clients and to really guide them because you saw it firsthand and you recognize the human element of it, right? You know, we know the legal side, but then when you can really address those feelings, those emotions and, and say, Hey, I, we, there are things we can do to prevent this because you don't want to go through it. I think that just makes such a difference in your practice. That's my goal is just to provide the guidance. Well, I um, I think that's great. I'm excited about our show today because this week we are going to discuss what estate planning is and how it may affect your divorce process because that's something that um, not everybody will really think about, but it, it has a lot of um, potential for intersection and, and I think it's going to be great. So I am looking forward to our discussion today. Me as well. So let's start off simply with um, defining, you know, what is estate planning? So our listeners really understand what we mean by that, because it encompasses a lot. It, it does. And it really is very ambiguous if you've never heard it before or you've heard it, but you don't really know, like, I know I need it, but what is it? Um, it very simply put, it's the process of getting your wishes in writing so that during a time that you have no control, you're keeping the control through your written words. So it encompasses a will or a trust, healthcare power of attorney, living will, the HIPAA forms, all of the documents that protect you while you're alive, but during a time that you are ill or incapacitated. And then it protects your wishes during a time where you've passed away. So we know how to distribute your assets and, and we know how to take care of all of those matters after you pass away. Um, now, I think that many people may be put off or um, confused because when they hear the word estate and they think, well, I don't have a grand estate, right? And, right. and so they think, well, maybe that doesn't apply to me or I don't need that. I don't have an estate, but I mean, what do you think? Does everyone need an estate plan? Yes. Everybody needs an estate plan. Everybody's life changes as we grow older. Our goals, our wishes, our fears, our concerns, they change as we get married and have kids and then we retire. Um, and then maybe there's a divorce. Everybody needs an estate plan. What it looks like is very particular to that person. And it doesn't just include where does my stuff go when I pass away? Like with my uncle, part of the estate planning should have been healthcare documents. So somebody knew what to do, what would he want when he couldn't communicate his wishes. So outside of the asset stuff, so much of it is how do you want the end of your life to look like? What would you do if you could make that decision yourself? And that's what a lot of people don't really understand estate planning to be. It encompasses so much more than just our stuff. Yes. And you know, the thing is, as you and I both know, and, and I mean, I know people recognize this, but we, I think, happen to be in our practice areas and just, you know, things happen so fast, right? And and so that's the thing that in a blink of an eye, truly, you could be in a situation where you can't communicate exactly. what it is you want. That's and, right. um, you know, and we know that. And that's what most people think, well, I don't need to do that yet or not worry, but really 
you do. And I think I love, you know, the part about your story that really touches me that I don't think we think about as all as much is how much it affected your father in having to make decisions and like questioning, did yeah. I really make the right decisions for my brother because it was his decision to make, but he, he was no longer in, in a position to make that decision. And that, that's a terrible thing to a burden to put on somebody um, and, and they will have to live with that. And you can so easily make those decisions and that burden will not be on someone else. And that's a hundred percent correct. And I, I do tell my clients, you know, you do estate planning. Yes. It's for yourself to a certain degree, but it truly is a gift to family because you're no longer here and what they are left carrying, what burden they have to carry the rest of their lives really is something that you can minimize or take away from them. The honest truth is you're always going to be sad when you lose a loved one. It That's not going to go away, but would you prefer your family to celebrate your life and have happy memories? Or would you rather have them burdened with, did I do the right thing? And how horrible was that for us? It's a gift to family. And I think people need to know that and remember that as well. Now, um, and I agree. I I think it's, you've got to not think, I don't need to do this. Like, But you know, don't be so selfish that you don't want to minimize the impact on your loved ones. And what do you typically include in a state plan? Is it just here are the 10 things that we're going to do or does it does it depend on the situation? It actually depends on the person, really, because it's so special to what that individual's needs are. You know, it's supposed to alleviate what their fears are. It's supposed to make sure that their wishes are carried through. So they may have a business. They may have children that are minors. Maybe they have adult children that still don't know how to spend money well, um, and we have to include that kind of language. Um, you know, if they do have a business, do they have business planning? Is there a separate written document that has to do with that? Everybody's individual needs have to be addressed. And, you know, the basic documents are wills, trusts, healthcare power of attorney, living will, HIPAA, uh, financial power of attorney. There's some basic documents everybody needs, but the language that goes inside has got to be structured individually for that client's needs. Yeah, and I think it is. It's so important. I know that I've, you know, spoken with individuals and it's like, you know, especially with business owners, uh, you know, if you don't have something in place and you're the only one that signs checks and you're the yeah. only one that does everything with the business, if something happens to you, like yeah, eventually it'll all work out, but how are you, how is the business going to pay the employees? How's your family going to get money? Like people don't ever right. really think that through. And it's like, you've got to, you know, make some provisions for that so that your family is going to be okay. And, and your employees, your business, like if that's your biggest asset, mm -hmm. so much Which more reason to make sure it still, it still goes on you know, and, and while, even if you are unable to participate, right Absolutely. now, let's talk about the difference with an estate plan from then a marital agreement in terms of property. And when I say marital agreement, I, you know, I mean, a prenup or a postnup. 
Yeah. Well, we always have to take that into consideration because if it's sometimes it's their first marriage for both and sometimes it's a second marriage for one of them or both of them, premarital agreements and postmarital agreements have to play into that because when we're distributing assets through the will of the trust, if there is an asset that you that is yours, you get to do whatever you want with it. But if it's a joint asset, you have to talk about that together and plan it together. So they those agreements absolutely 100% have to play a part um, in what the plan looks like and what it says. And, you know, when, so for our listeners, you know, what, let's talk about that. They're hopefully they're listening thinking, oh, okay, well, this does apply to me and this is something I need to do. You know, as a client who recognizes, okay, this is something I need, what should they be looking for when they are selecting that attorney? First of all, I, I always like to say that every I am not for everybody and everybody is not for me. And that goes for all attorneys. You, you have to yes. have that, that initial connection, right, with that person that you're going to be divulging a lot of private information. You know, you're going to talk about your kids and what their situations are. You're going to be sharing assets and all of those things. So number one, pick somebody that you can relate with on a personal level outside of that business. Number two, experience. How long has that attorney been in practice? Also, number three, are they exclusive in estate planning? You know, there's a lot of firms that do handle general practices, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. But there's only so many things you can do really well and amazing where you have to educate yourself on all those areas of law. And so the experience and the knowledge and the education that attorney has is important. And I would say, finally, do your review and your due diligence online for that attorney. You know, what are what are other people saying about them? There's reviews everywhere online, even comments and Facebook posts. Do that kind of review. But ultimately, in my opinion, it should be exclusive to somebody who does estate planning, like family law. You should be exclusive to what is important to a, a client who's coming to you for divorce or whatever it may be, just like a business attorney. But not a lot of attorneys think like I do. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Stay in your lane and then refer out and have your your trusted partners. Oh, well, I agree with you 100% um, because, of course, we do only family and divorce law and only then for women. So, but right. um, because the law is ever-evolving situations, um, you know, come up, the case law and you know, and then also with estate planning, obviously there's tax implications. There's so much within one practice area to stay very current and up to date that it's it's frankly almost impossible to do with a varied amount of practices. And I don't want to. Like, no, I, me I, neither. I don't know everything there is about what you do because I'd rather refer to you to help my client with that part. Um, you know, because with estate planning, I'm just a small part of that circle that helps. You know, there's a financial advisor, there should be a CPA, there should be a business attorney if necessary. Like there's multiple people that need to help and it should just not fall on one person's lap. I agree completely. Um, I have so many questions to follow up, but it is time for a short break. So we will be right back. And listeners, please take a moment. Um, if you are enjoying this show, and have enjoyed our other episodes, we would grateful, be very grateful for a five-star review um, below to share our mission of women winning divorce and to help others find our shows. We will be right back. 
We are back from our break. And again today, I'm joined by Sabrina Winters. Now in the first segment, we did break down what an estate plan is and what you might include in it. And of course, who needs one? Now we're gonna talk about the intersection of estate planning and family law, but I have some interesting questions that I didn't get to in the last segment that I really want to, um, I want your opinion on Sabrina because we have found women statistically are more likely to not have an estate plan compared to men. And, and why do you think that is? I, you know, I think it, personally that there's so much on women's plates compared to men. Um, and that's just, it's historical. It's just, you know, we're the caretakers, we're the decision makers in certain areas, but, you know, we're having, like I did, I, you know, I had my daughter, I was late in life having her, but I got pregnant. And then I started my practice not long before I found out I was pregnant with her. And so that was a lot. And I knew because I was educated on it, but my life was crazy between taking care of her, running my practice, running the household. My husband traveled out of town for the first five years that I had her, that we knew we, you know, you know, you need certain things, but life just starts adding on top of that pile. Then things just start to back down to the bottom. And interestingly enough, when married clients call my office for appointments, it's more often than not the wife that calls first. Because when we decide we're going to get something done, we're going to get something done, right? So yes. we're going to make that phone call. We're going to schedule that appointment and we're going to make our spouses come with us. Um, and then when there is a divorce, there's so much more on our plates as women. And sometimes we weren't even privy to the finances in the marriage. So God, like, where do I go? So personally, I think it's just, we've always been burdened with so much on our plate and some of it was our, our own doing. Um, but the other part is we're so good at doing so many things that, you know, why not have us do it? Cause we're so good at it. I completely agree, of course, but let's talk about, you know, how estate planning can be intertwined into family law. Um, you know, where have you seen those two kind of come together? Oh, a lot. Um, you know, I've got clients who are, in second marriages when they come to see me and they either never had estate planning in their previous marriages or they did and then didn't realize that we got to do some things about that. Mm -hmm. They're so their divorces, their previous marriages and their divorces make a big deal, make a big difference. Also, what's your prenup? Did you have one getting coming into the marriage? Are you working on one right now? What was the agreement the divorce decree, what does that look like from your previous marriage? All that plays a part because you need to share with me what your assets are. And all of those agreements, as you know well, play a part in what assets are yours right now. Sometimes there's a requirement that they keep a life insurance policy going with maybe the ex as a beneficiary or their kids. I need to know that because I need to incorporate that um, you know, into your plan. The dynamics of children in the blended family, I need to know that because if you are completely on one side of the family, what's the other side going to do if they have no role in your future estate planning? So all of that is a big deal, um, you know, when it comes to estate planning because assets play a part in it. 
Absolutely. Now let's add, let's talk about this. Um, if you are married, um, and you know, and often I'm sure you see couples, um, you know, creating an estate plan, but do you both have to consent to creating the plan and or amending the plan? Like, cause what's to stop one spouse from then coming back and going, okay, I want to change my part of this. Right. So the first part of that is um, you're not allowed to disinherit your spouse completely in North Carolina unless you have a, a written agreement. It's not even a complicated one, but you both have to have your separate attorneys, sign the document, and then it's fine. The other part of that is typically married clients do plan together. Their beneficiaries are the same. They share the same assets. There's no conflict. But the agreement that they sign with me says, hey, listen, you're both my clients. I owe you both the same level of confidentiality um, and legal ethics towards both of you. If one of you tells me privately about something, an asset or something that your other spouse, your spouse does not know, 99.9% .9 of the time, I need to share that with that person. So if you feel like there's anything like that right now, then we need to part ways and you both need to go somewhere else. I technically could represent one of them, but I'm a little over ethical. I'd rather them go somewhere else and put that, you know, on my plate. So, and then sometimes the wife calls and says, I can't get my husband here. He won't come. He won't talk about it. That's okay. You can plan without your spouse, but we might have our hands tied with limited things that we can or cannot do. But I explain all of that to them. Um, and then we've been successful in some really great estate planning when there's only been one spouse that did it. I can see that. And that's good to know because, right, like, I mean, what are some of the reasons people do, like, you know, in that, that's a good example you know, the wife calls you and you're able to still do it. Why do you think, because um, I have my own ideas, but why do you think like that the spouse isn't going to participate? The husband won't scared. participate. Scared of the unknown. I mean, I've, I've had clients that finally sit in front of me that have said, I was just afraid to come here because I didn't really want to talk about this, but you made this so easy that I kind of feel like an idiot that I felt like that. I, I hear that a lot. I don't agree that you should feel like an idiot, but you were afraid to approach the subject. You know, we're talking about your illness, leaving your kids without parents, your mm -hmm. death. Like that's really hard to talk about. Um, so I think fear. The other thing is, I think people feel like they have to do so much planning before they come. Like I get that call a lot. Like, what do I need to do before I come? Nothing. I just need you to be here with me at the time we've scheduled. I will work on the rest because the hardest part you already did. You called me. Um, so the pre-planning is like, oh, I have so much I have to do. I'm not ready to make that phone call where with me, there really isn't a lot of planning beforehand to show up and we start. And that's good because I think often um, times that that's where people are and, and it's a way for them to sometimes put it off um, yeah. subconsciously, but, oh, well, I have to get it all together first. Um, so I think that's great because, you know, you're like, no, just come in because you got to start somewhere. Exactly. Um, now, when let's talk about this a little bit. So because we're talking about the intersection with family law, um, you're in the middle of a divorce. Is that the time to engage an estate planning attorney or when is the time um, to address that that part of, of your life when you're so in the middle of a divorce? 
I can only address it for North Carolina because I know there's a lot of different, all states have different rules when it comes to what's in the document during your divorce. I always say, as soon as you start your separation, go see an attorney. Because here in North Carolina, your documents on who you've named for an agent in your healthcare power attorney trumps anything else. Many clients that are married don't name their spouse to make a healthcare decision for them. So you really want to get on the ball with the estate planning as soon as you start the separation process um, and get those healthcare documents. So it's a healthcare power attorney, living will, and HIPAA. Probably, I'm pretty certain that you don't want your ex to be able to make an end of life decision for you when you can't communicate or change your mind. And if that's the last document you have with your ex's name on it, there's going to be some sort of legal battle to not allow him to do that. Um, and that's not where he, obviously you want to be. Um, right. You know. Well, and it could be because in North Carolina, um, we've had an attorney from North Carolina on our show before. You have to be separated for a year. So you are still legally married. Right. And, but yet I, my understanding is, you know, you really can't even file until you can prove that that separation has been occurred. So I think it's really important because you're like, no, we're separated. I, I don't want him to get to make the decision on whether or not to pull the plug. Right. And as you know, during your separation, you're dividing assets. So there are certain assets that now become the, the soon to be ex-wives and certain obligations that are on the soon to be ex-husband. Well, do you want him to be able to see your assets moving forward, even after the divorce? Right. If it's the financial power of attorney naming him, you got to get him off. Right? You, exactly. This is your, these are your assets now. He has nothing to do with them. So take them off the documents. So if you don't start it during your separation, absolutely. Once you're divorced, that has to happen. Because, and so, you know, in Florida, which you mentioned this, the first segment in Florida is the same that you can't disinherit your spouse without like a prenup, postnup where that has been waived. But, you know, just because, you know, you're in the separation period in North Carolina, you're still married. So you can't go then create, I'm guessing a whole will estate plan where they're not receiving their their rightful share until the divorce is final. Is that correct? Sometimes. Um, what I like to see in a separation agreement, I don't care what else is in there. I look for a clause and I ask them to give me their separation agreement. There's a clause in there that says we waive rights to each other's estates even during this separation. Oh. That's in writing. That's all I need to see to make sure that we don't have some sort of litigation after my client passes away by the husband saying, Hey, I want my statutory share. Now I'm going to sue the estate. Well, you can't because in the separation agreement, you waived it. You both waived it. That is, that's great. Um, great to know, because I guess that is, is that pretty common um, that you have a separation agreement prior to moving um, forward with the divorce in North Carolina because of that period of time? Um, some people don't realize that they need to have something in writing. Some people mm -hmm. don't realize they should go see a lawyer before they start that. But I, I work with professional family lawyers here. So all of the ones that are referred to me, they have that separation agreement. I've seen a few that have come to me and I've referred them out. Please go get this. 
I can only draft limited for you. I want to be able to draft completely perfect for you. So you need to go do that. That that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, now, can you include various documents like your will or if you have a trust? Um, you know that. Can you say now they'll be removed? Once the divorce is final, is that something you can put in there or do you need to not have it contingent upon, say, a final judgment? Um, it, when you are talking about the estate planning documents themselves, you need to do new ones to revoke the old ones or rip up the old ones as a revocation. But then you don't have anything else in place. So I usually tell clients, you know, bring me what you've got. Let's, let's see what that says. Let's get these done pretty quickly so that automatically revoke it and and your soon-to-be ex-husband is off so that there, you know, there aren't any issues, you know, moving forward. But you know, not every, every client comes to me with a perfect scenario. So sometimes our hands are tied and it takes a little bit of time, but we're willing to work with that because that's how it life is. Absolutely. Now, what are the dangers or downsides downside? to not having a will, especially if you have children yeah. and or any assets? Well, like many states, uh, North Carolina has written a will for us when we don't have anything in writing. So if you don't have a will or a trust, North Carolina is going to dictate not only who your heirs are, but how everything is going to be distributed. They also don't care who's making medical decisions for you. Um, they don't take care of that unless... In your previous document, it said, if I'm divorced or separated, my my ex does not get to be making these decisions and you look to the successor. Okay. So it's important to get them drafted with the right language so that you can avoid all of that. Um, so we never know who's making these decisions because we don't have heirs, as you know, until we die. Um, and why leave it up to North Carolina when they really don't, really don't care about you? You should care exactly. about yourself and get them done. Exactly. Right. I, I say the same thing in Florida with, you know, prenups, but with all even estate planning. Right. Why would you want the state of Florida to make those decisions for you when you can do them yourself? Right. You can make you can plan these ahead of time. Well, this is a great discussion and I have more questions still, but we have got to take a second break. And listeners, we are going to be right back, but we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a review so other women going through divorce can find our show. And we will be right back. We are back from our last break. And again, today I'm joined by Sabrina Winters. And as we head into the last segment of this episode, we're going to talk about some of the financial implications of estate planning. But I do, I got to ask, what happens if your spouse dies during the divorce process? Mm, that is a really good question. And a lot of it depends on what was in writing um, before they passed away. Was there a separation agreement? Was that scenario addressed in the writing? Um, if they haven't been separated for a year, they can't file for divorce yet. So then there could be some equitable distribution that happens for the wife if the husband dies first. So, so much of that really depends on whether something was in writing before that happened and read the writing and take it from there. Now I've had this happen, you know, over the years, a few times. One was first time this ever happened. It was so long ago. Um, and then, you know, we had to really figure out a lot, but the parties were not married. 
and we were going through a paternity issue, okay. right? And so, but we didn't have the legal documents establishing the paternity yet. And then he died. And so it was a lot like, I just, I feel like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And they were young and they didn't know that. So now though, you know, they, there was a lot of legal um, processes that had to go through because of course, um, you know, she wanted to be able to get social security benefits and whether, you know, and again, I don't know if I can't remember about the life insurance, but I just remember there was a lot that had to be done and he had a lot of assets, but he was still, and he was only, you know, late twenties. So still very young. And, yeah. and I think most people wouldn't have thought of doing it at that right. time, but it, it certainly created such a burden on, you know, the, the mother of his child and, and, you know, obviously then his child, but, um, and we, and then it's happened before, you know, during a divorce, and just because they are in the middle of the divorce, really, Florida just goes by, you know, if they didn't have a will, mm -hmm. things would have been distributed. And so that's why it's important, I think, to talk to an estate planning attorney, depending on what state you're in, at least to understand, okay, until I'm divorced, like, I can't do anything anyway, or maybe I can, right? Right. I think the challenge to that is a lot of people don't know that they need to talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have clients who've come to me that they think just living apart for a year um, is enough. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if that's true or not. And so I send them to somebody. Let's get that question answered because I don't want you to think these documents are going to work. And then all of a sudden you're gone and they're not working. Um, so I can't answer some of those questions because it's a dynamic that I'm not involved in. Clients come to me already separated or divorced. The ones that don't, I send them back to first get some ducks in a row mm -hmm. before you come talk to me. Absolutely. Now let's think about this situation because I, if some of our listeners, you this may be you or someone you know, but let's say you got divorced 10 years ago, but you haven't done any updating anything. You didn't change any of your power of attorney or other beneficiaries, legal designations. How would that play out um, in, say, in North Carolina? Like you were actually divorced, but you never updated any of those documents. Do, is there any um, any laws, any statutes on that as far as what the state would do? Well, first of all, get them done today. It's, <laughs> it's never too late, right? Unless you've got no capacity or you've passed. Um, but there are some statutes regarding executors and um, beneficiaries as exes that are still listed in your will. But the other estate planning documents, the language has to be in the documents to allow for that ex not to have a role in it. So just get them done. Don't rely on statutes. Just, just get them done. Well, and also because just for our listeners, um, you know, because you think, oh, okay, well, then the law covers me. Well, what you don't know, which we're going to tell you is, okay, yeah, there may be a provision, but the only way to do that is all the families go into court and they're spending all the money from the yeah. estate on arguing and litigating over this because that's the only way it gets changed. Mm -hmm. And that then now has reduced the amount of your estate money, whatever that would be for the beneficiaries you want. And who wants to go through that? I know. Yeah, it's already a hard enough time. That's 
that's a terrible like that litigating in probate court is is almost I would say it's equal to or uh, at least equal to you know really contentious divorces as far as the emotional the and just the toll it takes on a family uh, to have to do that. It's horrible. I don't even do estate litigation. I send those away because it's so you need a lot of staff. You need a lot of time, but you also need a, that ability to to take on those kinds of problems. And, yeah. and I don't come from a family that fights. So to me, to see that is hard. But there's really great lawyers here in North Carolina that do a great job at it. And mm -hmm. I'm I'm OK with letting somebody else handle it because I know they'll do a way better job. But you're right. It's a hard place to be in probate litigation. It really is. And and that's something that you really wouldn't, you shouldn't wish on any of your family members. Cause even, and, 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 you know, honestly, obviously, you know, depending on where your, your family is on there, whether it was their relationship with you or their ability to accept your death, they may choose to create litigation on their own out of the, um, your estate, but by, getting everything, like you said, getting your ducks in a row, at least you've done your very best to make your wishes right. known. And you can't control that, but you can't everything off the table. Correct. Correct. You're right. Now let's talk about estate tax implications that our listeners should be aware of. Uh, so, you know, in North Carolina years ago, um, you know, we were changing our estate tax where, at one point, if you had a federal estate tax, you'd have a North Carolina state tax, but it's so high. I mean, I don't even practice in estates that have an estate tax because there, there are way more experienced lawyers in North Carolina that that's exclusively what they do. And to be honest with you, it's a level of practice I never really wanted. Um, but most of my clients are well below the estate taxable limit. But if they come to me and I see that they're about 10 or $12 million, I will refer them somewhere else because there's a lot of things they need to know from somebody more experienced. But you know, taxes play a part in distributions. So there could be stocks, there could be IRAs. I always tell my clients, you need to speak to your financial advisor and understand what you need to say to your kids if they inherit the stock. I give them the, the tools to go get the information that they need to get, which in North Carolina, I am not, I can't step over that line of attorney and then am I um, a financial advisor now? So right. I give them enough to go talk to their advisor to, for them to understand. So there could be income tax ramifications to some distributions that are made that they need to find out before we finalize everything sometimes. Now, um, what happens if your ex dies while he was paying alimony and or child support? Uh, the, the, you can sue the estate or you can file something in that estate for anything that was remaining. Again, the document's going to tell us what was going to happen. I have seen some that say no more alimony if, it, if the person passes or there was a life insurance policy that would pay out the mm -hmm. remainder. So I've seen it structured a lot of ways. Now, I wonder, because this would obviously go to litigation, but I'm just curious uh, because often we try to secure alimony through life insurance, um, right. which it, the law provides for it. But a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of controversy is regarding alimony and that obligation after you're gone because, you know, it's for the purpose of why he's alive and now your spouse is gone. Right. 
But let's say that that policy lapsed. Do you think in North Carolina that that ex ex spouse could then try to get uh, that money from the estate? Off the cuff, yeah. I would say yes. They should. I think try. it probably they should try. They should definitely talk to an attorney right. on that issue because maybe they could. I would never. In that situation, I would say, oh, I don't think I can. I would always talk to an attorney before saying, you know, yes or no, because it, it could be a significant amount that yeah. you're entitled to. And the statutes in North Carolina do address that as far as creditors and payments and things like that on the order of things that happen. Um, so I would just say, just talk to an attorney, see what your options are and really consider them first after you talk to an attorney. Um, now, I think I know the answer to this because because of what I've learned from talking to you just in our show today, but for our listeners, in case they have this question, um, now, in North Carolina specifically, can you change your beneficiaries after you filed for divorce, but before it's final? Or is there a penalty for that? So uh, once it's officially, you're officially divorced, typically whatever was in the separation agreement, my understanding is incorporated into the divorce terms. So you got to look at both the separation and the divorce to see what they are allowed to do. But by the time they're officially divorced, they typically have separated their assets. So what's mine is mine. What's yours is yours now. And if we're required to keep you on, then I would say you're not allowed to. So I'd say, again, go back to the documents first. That's what I was thinking. Um, that you would say is, well, did you have a separation agreement? It doesn't right. outline that in there because that's what you're going to have to think about. Yeah. Now, how are life insurance policies and, you know, or retirement accounts really linked to estate planning? So they're in our list of assets um, and you can distribute with a beneficiary designation, but like all other assets, it incorporates into the planning you're doing in your will or your trust. So I have several clients that, you know, they'll do a, a will where it goes, you know, equally to all their kids, but a life insurance policy might be payable to a sister or it might be payable to a charity. And that's incorporated in our conversation because every client has to give me their assets and every client has to give me all their family information. So when we sit together for our design meeting, I'm looking at these assets and I'm talking to them about how are we getting rid of all of this? And that's when that plays in. Well, is it truly three ways or do you want anything to go differently? Same with IRAs and 401ks. Now, um, let's talk about, you know, your minor children, because, you know, when you're doing estate planning for families, um, do they need to include a guardian um, for your minor children in your will? Every single time, every single time. I don't even care if they're 17 when you came to talk to me. There's going to be a guardianship provision in there. There's also going to be a provision for who's going to manage their assets if they haven't reached the age that you feel they're entitled to their money. Because, you know, our brains really aren't formed till 25, they say. So lots of clients like to hold the money in a trust for their kids until their kids reach a certain age. So we're always talking about that. I don't care what the age is, if they haven't yet hit majority or they're almost there, because I see it too much things happen at a blink of an eye and now you have a 17 year old without parents. So we put them and in. And also, yes. And I want to, this is, this is from 20 years ago, but 
um, it was really sad to see. So the, the, the mother, they were divorced, right? So she's a single mom. Dad was still around, but probably not really involved. And she was a big believer in life insurance. So she, and then she did pass away early through cancer um, and had her son as the beneficiary on everything, but he was a minor. And so, and nothing in any documents that prevented him or is, or nothing that really outlined who will be the guardian of the money for on behalf of the son. So it was her ex-husband and oh. yeah, yeah, because <laughs> the ex-husband was naturally the, the child's guardian, even though he was yeah. like 16, 17 and then the son came 18, but yet influenced by his dad. And, and I remember we just thought, wow, I don't, I don't think that's what she would have wanted. Yeah. Um, you know, here you still have to have some proceeding, even if you name the guardians, but the courts weigh very heavily, obviously on who you've named. And in a, in a divorce situation, you can't, you know, if I were divorced, I can't say, you know, the guardian of my daughter is going to be somebody other than my ex-spouse because never gave up parental rights. Um, I'm, I am still married, but that was an example. The So when I counsel my clients, I say, all right, so if your spouse should pass away, who is going to be next in line? We're always going to talk about that. And oftentimes the spouse, the ex is not the trustee. They will not be the person managing the money. If you have your option, that's what most women would put in there. Yes. And I've had that discussion with them in yeah. the referring them. It's like, well, I know he will be their natural guardian, right? He's still their parent. But what about all this money you got in the divorce and have worked for? You want that to go to him too? Or would you like maybe someone else to manage that money for your children, which you can absolutely determine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a great, great conversation, Sabrina. I have really appreciated having you on the show today. And um, But before we go, I was hoping you could impart on our listeners what you've learned about you know, advocating for and, you know, representing women throughout your career. Although I know you don't exclusively represent women, but um, that is something we ask all of our, all of our guests. And we'd love to know. The, I think one of the biggest things is that women are incredibly resilient. It will get through anything. It just depends on who's there to help. And if you ask for help, women will take it. And the, the other thing I would say is educate yourself. Women love to be educated. And once they know the importance of it, every single woman that I have met in the last year that is separated has gone through their process probably quicker than my married couples because they've educated themselves. They've mm. understood the importance and they're resilient and they want to empower themselves. And that's what I'm here to help. Become more empowered over your assets, over yourself, and over your new independence. Oh, thank you so much, Sabrina. It's just been a pleasure to have you on our show today. And I think, especially because this is a topic that not everybody wants to talk about, but I felt like it is a natural conversation. And really for our listeners, I hope that you get that out of it too, and that this is important. And it's not, um, it just doesn't have to be a depressing topic. It is just part of the things we have to do in life, I think. So mm -hmm. thank you again. 
your platform is the best place to really share it. So I appreciate you having me on. I had a great time and uh, thanks again. Absolutely. Well, we've reached the end of our show. Thank you again so much to my guest this week, Sabrina Winters. You can find her at ncestateplanninginfo.com. And of course, we will have all her information linked below in the show notes. Um, And thank you again, Sabrina. And we look forward to having another conversation in the future, I'm sure. Me as well. Thanks so much, Heather. Absolutely. And for our listeners, if you or someone you know is going through a divorce or thinking about divorce, of course, reach out to us at floridawomenslawgroup.com. And I also invite you to join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce, where we are having elevated and positive discussions for women, maybe before, during, or after the divorce process. The link will be below in the episode description. And I thank you all for listening. And if you found value today, I would humbly request you leave us a review so others can find us too. Thank you so much. From being served to preparing for trial, Divorce 101 will prepare you end-to-end for the divorce process. I'm Heather Quick, attorney and CEO of Florida Women's Law Group. Join us over the next six weeks to feel empowered and educated about a complex and often challenging legal process. Our online course is designed to provide an overview of what to expect what to prepare for, and offer guidance you may need to succeed and win at life. Over six weeks of video and additional resources, we are confident that you will finish our course feeling inspired and educated. Find out more at floridawomenslawgroup.com forward slash divorce 101 or call us at 904-567-0121. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Women Winning Divorce. My goal is to elevate your life and the way you are thinking so that you are best equipped to win at life. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so you automatically get my new shows every week. And I would love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social and join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce. We welcome your comments and suggestions. We want to bring you content that helps move your life forward. Women Winning Divorce is the place for an elevated conversation on how women can thrive during times of adversity in order to live their best life.